Have you ever had a Target date where you take your woman to Target and you go, I got $15, get whatever you want, your choice, and, and have a Target date like that? I think my wife would scoff at me and say, don't bring me here until you're willing to hand over at least three bills because <laughs> you don't come to Target without dropping a couple hundred bucks. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's Wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Let's start talking because I'm loaded for bear today. How you doing? I'm good. What, what kind of bear are you loaded for? I'm, I'm full of piss and vinegar. Whoa. Um, I don't want to interrupt your story that you were just about to launch into, but there have, for the past three weeks, it's been hot on the neighborhood gossip lines that there's bears in, in my neighborhood oh. for the first time ever. Um, we don't well, have, I'm loaded for them. We don't have many bears in Utah, but lately they've been, they've been prowling about the, the favorite hiking areas that we frequent that are about two miles from my house. Okay. So are they threatening humans? I don't think so, but about three, four years ago, the first I ever heard of a bear problem in Utah was some kid was camping with his family and hit a Snickers bar in his sleeping bag. (laughs) And okay, this was after there was signs posted. Don't go. Don't. There's a dangerous bear in the area. And unfortunately, that kid did not make it through the night. He was oh, eaten by no. a bear oh, no. during the night. So it's not really funny, and he I wouldn't laugh. He was the Snicker bar, he, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know how much the bear enjoyed the child versus the Snicker bar. Obviously, I mean, we might should just cut this out. This was a, probably one of the greatest tragedies that I could imagine. And <laughs> Yeah, we should just cut That's... this out. <laughs> that bear was 80% through with that delicious kid. And he was like, oh, chocolate too. And and then it just finished up. This is someone's kid. They might be a I listener. Know. I know it is. But 100 years from now, it'll be it'll be just a story. It'll be an interesting story. I've, I'm horrified by the truth of it. I can't imagine the trauma and the way you set it up is a little bit entertaining. I'm sorry. The the parents definitely made a dramatic misstep ignoring the signs that said dangerous bear prowling about (laughs) this area. Do not camp here. I think you've summarized it well. They made a dramatic misstep. The child compounded that error by putting a candy bar in his sleeping bag. (laughs) Okay. Which is why I think it's important if you're going into these these territories to be loaded for a bear. And that's what you said you were, so tell us more. Yes. Now, I don't have defense for a bear. I don't have bear spray with me. Do you know what bear spray is? Do you know what's in bear spray? Well, when I was in Alaska a couple of weeks ago, all the locals said that's just seasoning for a bear. That <laughs> They said... If you're not carrying a hand cannon, which most of the locals that were out hiking had a, a gun that was like from hip down to knee. Right, a big boy. A pistol the size of your femur. Uh-huh. Uh, they just said, well, then you're just basically putting a little cayenne pepper on the bear's oh, meal. Oh, wow. But wow. Wh- what's in a bear spray, Stephen? No, I don't know. I was going to quiz you. Should we put up a link to the video that I've posted a few years ago where I was running a, an ultra marathon in bear territory and they shipped me a couple of practice canisters for my bear spray. And I got Amelia, my wife to be the bear so I could practice a bear spray. And it turned out that the practice canister was not <laughs> just a neutral what? substance. Oh yeah. I've got a video of me bear spraying and my wife, it, it was really, it's kind of awesome. You sprayed your wife and is she screaming? She's not happy. Well, she started out acting like a bear and it was fun and funny. And then she realized about three seconds later, that's not water in that canister. 
And you and then you posted this video. Well, yeah, it was. I mean, she was fine. She just had where to did you a, put the video? Do a little eye flush. I think I put it on Instagram. I'd have to dig it up. Well, if you if you furnish the link, I'll stick it in the notes. Okay, but you're loaded for these bears wherever they are. How, what's in your What's in your chamber? Okay, number one, give praise to the Lord. Tell us about your eyeballs. It's been an ongoing issue for a couple of weeks on my, the podcast. My eyeballs are back to 100% functional, which is fantastic because they said this could take a week or this could take six months. Because it, you endured some grisly surgery, right, that brought them back? No, they just healed. The nerve that connects to my brain and my eye got better. Unbelievable. Um, and yeah i'm thankful so praise the lord thanks chance for making our bodies to heal themselves (laughs) i was thinking this morning about the design of the human body and how improbable and perfect it is and i was thinking about these uh evolutionist nincompoops who think that nature, the disembodied God called nature or uh, chance, knew what it was going for, knew that it was going to end up with a perfectly designed human. And these people think that chance made innumerable attempts at coming up with humans, and yet where is the fossil record for these people? Where's the one where your ear is growing out the back of your leg? Where are the fossil records where your nose is inside out? All of the, There should be a billion permutations of all of the trials of humanity, and we should be crawling around on corpses and skeletons of all of the ways that nature tried to make humanity but they didn't work all the things that didn't come to pass because what we've got is perfect the way that we got two eyes on the front of your head that can see 180 degrees it's amazing etc anyways that's not what i was loaded for congratulations with your eyeballs that's wonderful thank you um i have a i have a rant today because of something that the government is doing it's an economics rant it's not a it's not a church rant. Okay. I mean, there's so many things we could rant about that are happening with the government right now, but let's let's try to get it get it it's out. It's just of the way. one thing. It's just one thing because of what's what's happening right now. It's, ha- it's this thing that's happening right now. It, the headline is they're calling it ev- a moratorium on evictions. That's what I was figuring you were going to want to rant about. Okay, so here, here, let's just pile on a few layers of what's happened in the last two years, okay? Government, I mean, if, we, if this needs to be edited out or if it becomes too political, you stop me. I'm not trying to be political at all. I'm just talking about economics because I think our, our listeners need to know what's good. So let me rant and then you, you can make a call, Okay. I'm not shaking my head because I'm worried that you're going to get too vitriolic in this rant. I'm more okay. like I could say something that would probably blow the whole thing up because I get real hot under the collar about this issue. Oh, good. And I just don't know that that's productive for what we're trying to accomplish today. <laughs> but have at it. Let's see where you go. Okay. Well, you chip in. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have a, a interactive rant. Okay, the, the government effectively stops the economy. Let's just throw that out there. They just go, most businesses stop businessing. So the government stops the economy. The government, so the government takes away your ability to produce wealth, which is something the Bible likes, by the way. The Bible likes you producing wealth. If you don't know this, you haven't considered this before, you you have an economics degree. Is that right, Mark? No, but I have a politics degree with an economics minor. Okay, you have an economics minor. Okay, yeah. I think I took 
one or at most two econ classes. I'm not an economics guy. I'm interested in it. I'm just a I'm just a do life guy, and I'm looking around and going, you know, taxes pr- presumably are f- are to to are because there's a lot of people who live in a locality, and we want to we want to hire a third party who will do infrastructure things for us and take care of our collective defense issues. So we want infrastructure and, and defense with our taxes. That's what, that's what we're presumably doing. Among other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, those, are, those are huge buckets and there's other bits. The government, who has now stopped the economy and taken away your ability to produce wealth, then takes it upon themselves to write checks to all the people based on nothing because they produce no goods. They, they don't, the, the government... If you, as I just described it, doesn't have the ability to produce profits. That's not, that's not what they do. But they're writing checks to make up for the money they're preventing you from earning. Now, I made a little comment, a side comment. I, I was thinking back on the last podcast that we did with my parents where we talked about work. And my dad talked about things like squirrel stew. If you haven't heard that, go listen to Enjoyable Tales from Roger and Linda. But I made a comment um, in that uh, conversation about Kipling. I said Kipling talked to us about being paid for existing. And uh, that, that poem of Rudyard Kipling's has come to mind again, and I would like to read it. I'm going to read a poem called The Gods of the Copybook Headings. So here's, here's the premise of the poem. If anybody is aware of the McGuffey readers that started in the 1830s and were published right until the 1960s, and they were a core curriculum in classrooms for, I don't know, 100 years, a long time in American history. And th- this is like C. C. Jane, C. Jane Run, Dick and Jane. Th- that's all from the uh, McGuffey readers. And in the McGuffey readers, they would have copybook headings so that kids could practice their print penmanship. And those and those headings were truisms that they would want a kid to know. So one. Of, so I'll I'll list some that are quoted from uh, the poem: "The wages of sin is death." So they would want all of the second graders who are working on cursive to work to write the wages of sin is death. Now write that 50 times on your slates. These are the copybook headings. So he's talking about the gods of the copybook headings, which is really God, really the God of the Bible. What he's talking about are eternal truths. And so he's going to spend this poem contrasting the gods of the copybook headings which are truths that don't change. They're so, they're so ingrained to reason that we would have our children and our children's children write them over and over versus the gods of the marketplace, which are constantly changing. Okay, here it is, Rudyard Kipling's The Gods of the Copybook Headings. I will, I'm sure I will make emphases as I go. As I pass through my incarnations in every age and race, I make my proper prostrations to the gods of the marketplace. Peering through reverent fingers, I watch them flourish and fall, and the gods of the copybook headings, I notice, outlast them all. We were living in trees when they met us. They showed us each in turn that water would certainly wet us as fire would certainly burn. But we we found them lacking in uplift, vision, and breadth of mind. So we left them to teach the gorillas while we followed the march of mankind. We moved as the spirit listed. They never altered their pace, being neither cloud nor wind-borne like the gods of the marketplace. But they always caught up with our progress, and presently word would come that a tribe had been wiped off its ice field or the lights had gone out in Rome. With the hopes that our world is built on, they were utterly out of touch. They denied that the moon was Stilton. They denied she was even Dutch. They denied that wishes were horses. They denied that a pig had wings. So we worship the gods of the market who promised these beautiful things. 
When the Cambrian measures were forming, they promised perpetual peace. They swore if we gave them our weapons that the wars of the tribes would cease. But when we disarmed, they sold us and delivered us bound to our foe. And the gods of the copybook headings said, Stick to the devil you know. On the first Feminian sandstones, we were promised the fuller life, which started by loving our neighbor and ended by loving his wife, till our women had no more children, and the men lost reason and faith, and the gods of the copybook headings said, The wages of sin is death. In the Carboniferous epoch, we were promised abundance for all by robbing selected Peter to pay for collective Paul. But though we had plenty of money, there was nothing our money could buy. And the gods of the copybook headings said, If you don't work, you'll die. Then the gods of the market tumbled, and their smooth-tongued wizards withdrew. And the hearts of the meanest were humbled and began to believe it was true that all is not gold that glitters, and two and two do make four. And the gods of the copybook headings limped up to explain it once more. As it will be in the future, it was at the birth of man. There are only four things certain since societal progress began. That the dog returns to his vomit, and the sow returns to her mire, and the burnt fool's bandaged finger goes wobbling back to the fire. And that after this is accomplished and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing... And no man must pay for his sins. As surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. Snap. Rudyard Kipling. I didn't know Rudyard was such a uh, fire and brimstone kind of guy. Yeah, well, most people you know, uh, print out if and put it on the uh, congratulations for graduating college thing. That's about all anybody has to do with Rudyard these days. But I think that poem is prophetic and so strong. And I think of it every time the government promises to pay us for existing. We, We don't want them to pay us for existing. We want to have the ability to produce wealth. So uh, let me continue. If you're a private landowner, you consider your land to be a multi-generational asset. And as you can, you use that asset to produce income by renting. Now what's happening is the government is is preventing you from evicting people off your land who don't pay their rent. Which is astounding. You know, I think that the the biggest fallacy here is there's people who assume there's this assumption that landlord equals wealthy fat cat. Of uh, course. And it's not true. I work with families that are very much in the middle class and some families who even are struggling financially, but they have a rental property and that's a key part of their income yes. picture. And praise the Lord I'm not working with anybody who's dealing with this right now where they're needing to evict a non-payer, but I just think, man, if they got a bad renter in there who just said, I'm going to squat for the next two years if it started at the beginning of all this, um, and that that could end up leaving the landlord bankrupt, and then well, everyone loses. <laughs> there's, there's so many... There's so many terrible things about this scenario. One is that it it rewards it rewards deceivers. It rewards people with no scruples. That if you don't have a problem integrity-wise not paying your bills and not following through on contracts, this is a windfall for you. Works out perfect for you. And I think of this last, you know, 15 months and what it's been like for us in our business. I'm sitting in our office right now and thinking we never missed a payment. And it was very, very, very difficult for us to not miss a payment. But we don't miss mortgage payments. And we we went to the landlord, asked, could we negotiate with you since we have no income? And his answer was no. So we had to deal with it. 
So as things stand right now, the government controls our earning, our income, our rents, and in many cases, our mortgages. This is not God's way. <laughs> That's all I want to say. This is not God's way. So God's way is that you would work to produce income for your family. We just heard that in the gods of the copybook heading. If you don't work, you die. That, that's God's way. Secondly, God is interested in balanced books. So one of the things that means is if you don't have any profit, you have nothing to spend. And our, gov- our government, as everyone knows, is not interested in balanced books whatsoever. We don't even, we don't even, it's not even uh, uh, an ambition that we would have a balanced budget. They don't, they don't feel any need to, to be in the black to write endless checks to anybody. It's not God's way. We, we, God's way is honoring contracts. So landlord, lessee contracts, employer-employee contracts, client-vendor contracts, making good on your word. That, that, that's uh, Psalm 112, that a man is true to his word to his own pain. He'll do what he says he'll do, even if it hurts him to do it. He'll he'll come through on it. And lastly, I just don't know. I just, I'm saying these things because I, I don't, I'm shocked at what's in the water in, in, with modern Christianity. And, and there is, there is a insidious thread that runs through modern evangelicalism that somehow socialism is the more generous lifestyle to pursue, it's more noble, it's more humble, etc. And I just want to say, we're not, we could do, we, we probably should do tangents on this subject, but God believes in private property. He, he believes in private property, you stewarding what's yours, and you expanding what's yours. That's, what, that's one thing that we stand for here at Abraham's Wallet, is that God's given you something, he intends for you to steward it well, and he wants you to expand it. One of the Ten Commandments is do not steal. How could God command you to not steal if he didn't believe in private property? Yeah, he believes that's that guy's. It's not yours. Don't take it. And so what's yours, nobody should take yours. I mean, it's somebody's done this study that something like 80% of all of the Judaic laws are about private property and dealing with property. Um, God's very interested in private property, and we are increasingly living in a society where not only is that not valued, it's becoming nearly impossible. Um, so I just, that's, that's my rant, that this economic system that we're a part of is, we oppose it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's well said. And maybe in a future episode, we'll get into the idea of the government knows they're outside of their their authority in this and that's that yes, was they do. That, that was acknowledged hey we yes. know this is not constitutional yes but, but it's we're going to do take, it anyways it's going to take a few months to work through the courts and that'll buy some time uh for the people who aren't paying their rent so i think it's easy to get riled up about stuff like this and i think i've been spending time with our mutual friend mark douglas lately yeah. and and he had a lot of really encouraging stuff to say about all this weird stuff going on in the world. But the flip side of ranting about, well, the government, how dare they, is that I still think what my family about is about, what your family is about, is creating these robust places of shelter for tough times. Um, so... It makes me think even more, hey, I want to be a part of a group of guys that is building fortitude with their money, yes, with their networks of relationships. And I even want to say, hey, if there's somebody in my network that can't pay their rent, I don't want them relying on the government yes. to not get kicked out of a house and they're going to bankrupt some poor landlord or some rich landlord. I don't know. Um, yeah. So the the flip side of this is let's be looking around our own circles and the people that are connected to us and say, let's we're building homes that are strong enough to handle not only our own families but to take take people in and say, hey, I've got extra sure. space. If you're if you're 
not able to pay your rent, you know, we think that the government shouldn't protect you, but we are willing to do it. So I think there's some responsibility that we could go back and talk through all of the so-called entitlement programs and say there's a pretty strong link between when the church stopped taking care of people and the government stepped in to do that. That's Um, true. So we're not anti (laughs) taking care of people, whether they're close to us or relative strangers. Um, We just might disagree with the current zeitgeist on the best way to do that. Yes, and and to reiterate, I, I I'm not interested in stomping and harumphing around with a fist in the air. I'm not going to take up a placard and and try to get the uh, government to look more like the kingdom of God. I'm interested in those who want to know God, which I I think is our listeners. I just want us to know what's right and wrong, and I don't think that uh, Christianity at large is helping people know what's right and wrong. So when the government does something that's godly, I, I wish that Christians in general would know that, that that's a godly thing that they did and cheer it. And that when the government does something that's godless or godlessness creeps up in our culture, that somebody would just review for the believers, not, that's godless. We, we don't believe in that. We don't do that. And here's why. Here's what God's word says, et cetera. So uh, I... I more, I'm, I'm more just like kind of like checking in with everybody. I hope everybody is equally outraged that your economic rights are being trampled on. I, that's all. And, and if you're not, um, uh, um, um, or you disagree with Stephen, <laughs> you can, you certainly can disagree, but, um, I, I, I want to, I want an, an equally robust set of, uh, Bible doctrines yeah for your disagreement so don't if you're disagreeing to yourself right now i guess you have to call into the hotline no you don't you don't have to there there, there's a place for us all but i'd say the the direction of of counsel and uh and conversation you'll get from us will be limited because i see the world through these very narrow biblical lens well i think that's about the most reasonable intro we could imagine for how to invest your 401k. <laughs> it's, it is a natural. A lot of people do start off their four. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, they'll start their 401k discussions with Rudyard Kipling. So it's kind of a cliche. So forgive us for that. But let's do talk about 401ks. We talked about what they were and how they get funded, whether by you or by your employer. We talked about um, a solo 401k for a business owner who's the only employee of the company, et cetera. We talked about not messing those solo 401ks up or you're going to have mess to those up. pay a whole team of people to fix them. Yes. Uh, so what, 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 how would you like to attack 401ks today? So I'm going to give our listeners one, two, three, four rules to follow when it comes Excellent. to dealing with their 401ks. How about that? I am going to go on a limb and say, if our listeners will pay attention to four rules of dealing with 401ks, they're going to be better educated about 401ks than 99% of the populace. Okay. So I'm just going to dive right into rule number one. Do it. And I think I said this last week, but Always, always get the match. If your employer matches your 401k, then I don't think there's likely a better investment out there than saying, if I put a dollar into this account, (laughs) my employer puts a dollar in to match it. That's a 100% return instantaneously. So we talked about different, some employers might match the first 3%. Some employers will match... 100% of what you put in for the first three and then 50% for the next few percents. Uh, Some people just give a flat match. There's all sorts of ways that employers match these accounts. But we've talked about different types of retirement savings on this podcast. The upshot is get the stinking match. If if you only can do one long-term investing thing in your life, uh, this is the one to do first. Now, you know, we talked about you can put a whole lot more into the account than most employers will match. And 
So that's a different discussion. You don't have to put $10,000 if they're only going to match the first $3,000 you put into the account. Um, there's, there's other options for what to do with that money. It might be a good idea to put it in your 401k or it might not. But if they're telling you, if you put in three grand, we'll put in 2,500, you should put in that three grand. Um, yes. Because it's a good deal. Uh, and I say to people, make whatever changes you need to in your budget to make sure you're taking advantage of that crazy good return on your investment. Even if you just invested in cash, they are matching you, uh, you know, one for one or uh, yeah, 50%, whatever it is, get that match. Yep. Got it. So that's rule get number one. Very simple. I like it. Okay. That is basic. Okay, rule number two, pay attention to the fees. Did you know there was fees involved in your 401k, Stephen? I did. Yeah, but you're a financial planner now, so you you had to know I don't think I always knew that. I I think I probably assumed that you put money in and it started magically growing, and then we all got to swim down the lollipop river. Yep. Well, there's a couple places where fees may be hiding. Uh, Steven, you've talked about when you were a mortgage uh, broker for a short stint yes. that you knew that there was about a thousand places that a smart <laughs> mortgage guy could hide fees into a loan that he was trying to sell you. There are several. Um, thankfully, with the 401k, there's usually only a few types of fees. So the first one is just the basic plan fees. And these are the fees that Let's say that your employer has their 401k plan at Fidelity. Well, Fidelity doesn't do this work of custodying assets for free. They charge the company and often the participants a fee to run this 401k plan. And how do you find out what that fee is? Well, you're going to want to drop your HR person or whoever is managing such things a little email and say, could I get a copy of the plan document for our 401k? Sometimes you can pull that down off the site where if you have a, a login, you know, there will be a place where you can download the plan document. But there is, for every 401k plan, a document that has all the details about the plan. And one of those details will be, what are the, the plan fees? Um, those can be a percentage of the assets in your account. Those can be a flat fee, like $4 a month per person in the plan. And we'll talk about when you leave a company later, but a lot of times your employer will cover the fees while you're employed. So that it might be that none of these fees are relevant to you while you're at the job, but if you leave the 401k in place after you move, then these fees kick in or sometimes they even go way up. Um, so that's the first set of fees. It's just what are the basic plan fees um, that are charged for administration of the plan? These are not usually huge. Sometimes they can be if they are ask your employer, have you really done a good job of shopping for a good 401k provider? Um, And if they say, no, we've never shopped that, well, then send them our way because we do that type of thing. But uh, so any questions about that one, Stephen? Pretty straightforward. No, no. But you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of this simple principle. You know what's not dumb? To make friends with the HR director at your company. That's not dumb. As long as you don't do it on social media. No, I mean live humanoid type friends. Yeah, you don't want them seeing that you've liked a post from the Abraham's Wallet podcast because then you might get canceled. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I I mean um, something that I kind of like. This is really 1950s culture, but you know, there was I don't know if they've abolished these, but once upon a time there was a boss's day. And then there was a secretary's day. And on these days, you're supposed to buy flowers, chocolates, something like that. Those are not dumb to send your boss a note once a year, maybe on the anniversary of your employment. And on those days, you might want to acknowledge the HR director, too. They kind of help things go. And they're a friend to you in many ways. 
going to your HR director and finding out what the fees are. My question to you, yeah, I guess I do have a question about that. So let's say that you found that the fees for your 401k are egregious. What are you supposed to do about it? Um, we recommend just immediately suing the company that you work for. <laughs> no. So there's different reasons why an employer might choose a plan with higher fees. I would just start by saying, hey, these seem high. Can you tell me how you chose this plan? And you might find out that, yes, these are higher than average fees, but there's a reason why we needed to go with this plan or they're doing something for us that other plans wouldn't. It's a very complex space, all the different ways to run a 401k plan. Um, so I wouldn't jump to any conclusions just because you see that they're high. Um, but your employer might go, oh, they are high? I just went with the the right. 401k provider that, that our payroll company told us they're already yep. partnered with. Yep. And you could say, hey, did you know that you could switch that? Next year, we could roll over into a totally different plan with low fees and better investment choices. And they yep. would go, I didn't know that. And then if you really wanted to turn the screw a little, you could say, and it might be a good idea because if if one of your employees really got a bee in their bonnet here, they could sue you and you would potentially be liable for not doing your own due diligence and providing a good plan. Um, don't threaten nope. your boss, but... <laughs> But you could just say, I would never do that, but somebody could. I will say no one is more sensitive or educated about uh, inter intercorporate litigation than the HR director. They're very aware of it, very sensitive to it. Um, okay, so okay, we got we've got a studious bro on here who's already gone online and he's looking up his 401k account to find out the fees. So his question is what, what's a nominal fee? What's a reasonable fee? Uh, It's hard for me to give you a straight answer to that because like I said, there's different plans that provide different levels of service, et cetera. Um, But I think you could see fees as low as zero or my employer is paying for all of them. If you're paying more than, say, 50 basis points, so half of a percent of your account, then I'd start to go, huh, that seems a little high. Um, but, um, you know, certainly if you found out that the this is taking, you know, 2% out of my account every every year, that's no bueno. So, okay. Um, feel free to hit us up if you have questions about that. The other place fees are hiding generally is on the underlying investments. So this is where a lot of people get bit when it comes to investing and fees is that you might work with, there might, let's say there's two financial planners. One of them says, I charge 1% of the assets I manage. And the other one says, huh, I also charge 1%. But advisor A uses all extremely low-cost investment options. So when you choose things to invest in, generally, unless you're investing directly in individual companies, which we don't really recommend for other reasons, but no, um, they're usually using mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, which are vehicles to invest in a whole lot of companies all at once. Well, those funds have people that work for them and they need to get paid. So there's fees for those funds. So advisor A, he charges 1%, but the investments that he uses charge another 0.05%, very low cost. So your all-in cost is very close to just the 1%. Advisor B, he uses lots of expensive mutual funds with managers who are picking stocks and doing stuff and trying to justify their existence. And those funds charge one and a half percent. Well, the investor in one case is about at 1%. The other one is getting charged two and a half percent fees because of the underlying investments. So it works the same way with a 401k. There's plans that might charge the same basic fees, but some of the investments are very inexpensive every year and other investments Uh, are very expensive. Now, some plans are great and they use all really low-cost ETFs and other plans are terrible and they have all really expensive investments. Most plans have a mix of both. So 
when you log into your 401k plan and you get to choose investments, you'll see all the different things you're allowed to invest in. And you can say, I want 50% of my money in this and 20% in that. Um, and you can usually figure out what the fees are for each of these investments. The The easiest way I have found to do this is to just take the, the stock ticker or the mutual fund ticker symbol, uh, which is the three, one to five letters that, you know, represent the company. Uh, you know, if you're talking about an individual company, uh, Cincinnati people might know Procter & Gamble. That's PG. That's their ticker. If you type PG into Google Finance or Yahoo Finance, you'll pull up information about that stock. Well, if you're looking at a Vanguard exchange-traded fund, you just type their symbol into one of these finance tools, and you can usually find pretty quickly uh, how much the underlying fees are. So for example, if it's a Vanguard fund, you'll usually see the first result if you just Google the ticker is Vanguard, and they'll have a PDF or a page that describes the fund and says, here's what the annual fees are. Um, same deal with mutual funds. So it does take some homework to go through each of the investment options. But you can generally find with a little bit of digging, what are the fees for each option? Some 401k plans will show you right on the page where you're picking investments. Here's how much the fees are. Most of the time you have to do a little homework. Two things. One, I wish people knew how to do that and would take the time to do it. Because if, if the fund itself is skimming, just think of it, 1% of, of what you're earning, and that's compounded in your 401k over 40 years, that could be a huge amount of money that is just, it's simply going because you didn't choose a better investment tool. It's such an important thing is to know what the fees are around uh, investment products. Secondly, you, you, you were talking about active managers without saying the phrase active manager. And it just made me think that that's what, if I can tie it back to my economics rant. Oh, I should have started, my, I should have used my rant music. Let's, let's listen to my rant music right now. <clears throat> yeah, that, that makes me feel better to hear a little bit of that. Um, I, I, to tie this back, I, I was thinking, you know, what we want is a passive government, meaning we, we will let you people go get, go make money. You guys can be innovators and you can make businesses and you can maximize profits. You guys do that. We'll, we'll be over here on the sidelines. We're not going to get involved in what you're doing and whatever sector does well, God, God bless you. Make the most of it. And what we have is a very active government that's putting its fingers in all the pies. Similarly, uh, you don't want an active uh, finance manager who's uh, who's jumping in and screwing with. Well, let's uh, here's the hot here's my hot pick about you no. Know, we want passive managers. We don't want to just choose what we think are the. This is going to be the hot stock. We would rather put money on the market. We just we're just betting on the market, which is that innovators are going to innovate and entrepreneurs are going to entrepreneur and the that that the rising tide raises all boats that's what we assume is going to happen that's why we bet on the market as as opposed to actively going for for hot things yeah we could do Anyways. a we could do a whole episode on active versus passive investing and someday we will yeah but that day is not okay. today two so two things get the match Look at fees. And I will just tack one little thing on there. Let's say you look at the fees and they all suck. It's uh. all mutual funds that have 1.25% fees and all that jazz. Do you know what you should still do? Get the match. Get the match. Because 100% returns on your initial investment the day you put it in is still great, even if they're going to take out 2.5% a year. So 
get but the match. But if they were taking that two two and a half percent a year, I would get the match and not go over that, and instead put that money in investments where I'm going to get less fees. Yeah, that's where we get into more complicated stuff, and it wouldn't be my first place I would put extra money beyond the match. So, yeah. Rule number three: pick a reasonable asset allocation. So, okay. asset allocation is just how you divvy up the investment options. So we're talking about 401ks. Almost all of you will have some way to log into your account and you'll see the available choices for investments. And you can say, here's how much of each of those things I want. As long as it adds up to a hundred percent, let you submit and you're, you're good to go. This is Almost every 401k plan will let you choose the investments because it takes a lot of that liability off of your employer. Whereas if they were choosing it, you could sue them if they screwed up. Um, And they don't want to have the same liability as, say, a financial planner that takes on that liability. Um, So Sensitive to litigation was the phrase I used. Right. We haven't talked about ERISA, but there is a long set of laws that govern all things retirement plans, and it's called ERISA law. Um, Now, option number one, if you're the type of person who says, I'm not ever going to get in and deal with this, more and more... I'm never going to get in and deal with this. Oh, well, little patty cake, uh, (laughs) I've got a a good option for you. That's... uh, More and more retirement plans have what's called target date fund options, where you just say, here's how old you are. And they say, we think you'll probably retire at about age 65. And if you just pick this, it's going to start out when you're young as pretty aggressive. And gradually, as you get older, move to less and less aggressive so that if the stock market tanks two years before you were planning to retire, it doesn't ruin your chances of retiring. And... That's a good option if you're just like, I don't ever want to log yeah. into this thing Little again. default. Yeah. I will say that often these target date funds have a lot higher fees than other oh. options. So you're going to pay something for that. That reminds um, me of rule two. Right. So just check the fees. It doesn't always mean it's a no. Um The other negative about target date funds is sometimes they get real conservative a lot earlier than I think they should. So they move you into a 50-50 stocks and bonds mix when you're 45. And that's pretty stinking conservative. Whereas you, you could be a lot more invested in riskier assets that would grow because at 50, you're not too worried about what's gonna happen three years from now because you're planning on retiring when you turn 65 not 55 um so those are the negatives but these are still good options for people who are just like i know i'm not going to be involved i'm not going to get in there and adjust this ever um so consider it um, okay have you have you ever had a target date where you take your woman to target and you go i got 15 dollars get whatever you want your choice and and you have a target date like that I think my wife would scoff at me and say, don't bring me here until you're willing to hand over at least three bills because <laughs> we're at Target and you don't you don't come to Target without dropping a couple hundred bucks. That's true. You don't limit the Target out. Okay. So that might be a conflict source in my home. Okay. But option number two. Uh, select so wait, an- wait, wait, wait. So we understand Target dates. Yep, that's yep. option number one. Pick a target okay, date okay. fund that matches. You're still, in, you're still on that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Next option thing. number two is just select an asset allocation and find funds that are offered by your plan that best match that allocation without choosing anything super crazy on the fees. So if you do this, you're going to have to do occasional work to make sure it stays in line with the allocation you wanted. So let's talk about that. I'm not going to go deep into asset allocation today, but if Good. but by the time this podcast comes out, uh, I think that you guys should be able to go over to abrahamswallet.com, which Ding. is the original format that we started with for a couple of years before we ever had a podcast. And I'm going to write you a little article on some asset allocations that are kind of simple and easy for do-it-yourself investors. But... These can be as simple as choosing two things. I want some stocks and some bonds. And if let's say that you want a pretty low risk 
stock and bond mix. A simple asset allocation would be to say I want 75% or 60% stocks. So let's say 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Well, more and more times in these 401k plans, there's an option that's all the stocks in the whole world in one (laughs) fund. And that's just the total global market. Vanguard has a really awesome, really inexpensive, all the stocks in the world. It's going to have some of the emerging markets like tiny places, you know, I've got 0.01% of my money is in the Serbian stock market and a big chunk of it's the US and it's got some some Japan and some China, all that rolled into one thing. And same deal with bonds. There's funds out there that are all the bond markets in the world rolled up into one fund. And you could just say 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And what would you do is let's say stocks did really well next year. Well, now you've got, say, 70% stocks and 30% bonds because stocks did a whole lot better than bonds. Well, you have to go in and say, I want you to rebalance this uh, next year, let's say, to get back to what I intended, 60% stocks and 40% bonds. Doing that keeps you in line so that when you have a year where stocks stink and bonds go up, you capture the upside on the bonds and you bought them on a year that bonds didn't do so well. So you're kind of automatically buying low and selling high, which is what you want to do when it comes to investing in the markets. Okay. I'm getting tired head thinking about checking in and figuring out what everything did and rebalancing. All right. Well, you might be a candidate for a target date fund, but if you could, (laughs) if you could say, I'm going to pick a simple portfolio. I'm going to go over to the abrahamswallet.com website, read a quick article on simple asset allocations, and I'm going to match that up to what I think my plan offers. Okay, um, that's and a you deal. Could, and you could log in once a year and just okay. check on it. I think that this could be some something that, that our listeners do in 15 minutes a year, and it wouldn't okay. be too bad. So what I'm going to do is every year when I have my anniversary of employment with this company, I'm going to get a little gift for my boss, a gift for the admins. We don't, we don't say secretaries anymore. Um, a gift for the HR director, a candle will do guys candle and a card. not a problem. Send that to the HR director. And then I'm going to rebalance and check my asset allocation for my 401k. I think we can do that. Yep. Now, there is one more option, and I'm calling this option number bad. And this is where you go. (laughs) A lot of times when you log into all the selections, it will show you what has the return been on each of the funds we offer in the last one year, Uh, three years, five years. Don't pick the ones that are the highest. This is a sucker's game. This is a sucker's game. Yes. This is how I invested when I started messing around with with stocks and mutual funds back in high school. 14%? I said, wow, this thing killed it last year. Um, I'm picking this, you know. Don't do that because, you know, every time you listen to an earnings call from a company or a fund manager, they always, before they put on the big wig executive, say, past results do not indicate future performance. Uh, and that's true. So pick an asset allocation that is appropriate for what you're trying to accomplish, the timeline, your risk tolerance, all that jazz. Yes. And then go with the right things that match that asset allocation. Yeah. Um, for example, emerging markets, so those really small countries, they have been doing terrible for the past six, seven years. I still invest in them because I know we're going to have a time when they do great for a few sure. years. Um, and if I looked at the, the fund returns on this imaginary 401k I'm investing, it would say emerging market fund has taken a crap for the last few years. That doesn't mean I'm not going to use it if it makes sense in the asset allocation I've chosen. So yep. don't pick your funds based on returns for, for the past few years. All right. That's asset we're, allocation. I can and, see an hour from where we're sitting. So let's give me number four. Number four, I'm going to just say, 
Rule number four is coordinate with your other investments. And here's where some people are going to say, I'm out. That's not me. I don't do this this level of management. But okay, let's, okay. let's imagine that you have just not a ton of good options in a retirement okay. plan. There's a lot of 401ks that don't have uh, a good option for an inexpensive international stock the portfolio. So I just... The only one I see here is 1.5% fees, and you've told me that's too much. So what do I do? Um, you know, you might have a really good, cheap domestic stock option. There's just a S&P 500 fund that's really cheap, but uh, 2% on the international. So ideally, what you're going to do is you're going to think of all your money, whether it's in your 401k plan or your Roth IRA uh, or your taxable account that you have somewhere else as one big thing and you're going to shoot to make that asset allocation that you picked true across the entire portfolio of stuff that you've got and you might say well the only good investment I see here is domestic stocks so I'm going to invest in that in my 401k and I'm going to go get the international stuff in one of my other accounts that can get a little complicated. Yeah, sounds like it. That's why I say this is where a financial advisor can help, even if they aren't directly managing all of your accounts. So a lot of what we do when we're working with folks is we don't manage their 401ks, but I will sure. get on a screen share with somebody and we'll say, okay, that looks good. That looks good. We'll use those. But we would normally want uh, emerging markets option and everything in this plan stinks. So I'm going to turn up the emerging markets in another account that we are managing for you. And we're going to adjust accordingly in the 401k. So taking everything into consideration uh, is kind of level two uh, management of your 401k. You don't have to do this. If you just follow rule one, two, and three, you'll still turn out way ahead of the game. Right. But this is this is some um, advanced metric stuff for the people who are interested. Yeah, and hopefully what you're doing with your 401k fits into the big picture of everything you're doing with your money and is going to serve all of those long-term visions and goals and again working with your IRA and your investments and all of your I don't know, private equity or whatever stuff you got going on. So that it's so that it's uh, painting a picture that you want, and, and that's the that's the real benefit of having somebody else come in on the outside and go, let's look at all of this together, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to consider how many pairs of sneakers do you have? Yeah, sitting in the closet, appreciating. Yeah, sure. I, that's I, a... I had a big sneaker win this week, so I'm you kind did. Of, I'm kind of excited. Oh, tell me because I would love the encouragement because all I have is sneaker losses. Oh, I just I the I have all losses when I like sign up for the thing. Yeah. But Nike has been very emphatic about if you open our app and dink around in it a lot, we'll surprise you with treats. And I just got a notification about a shoe that's coming out in a few weeks that said, "Hey, do you want to buy it right now? Click here in the next minute." And I said, "Boom." And they're on their way to to Utah right now. Beautiful. So I think you, yours, yours could be up on the resale site like the minute that it goes on sale or before. Before. Oh, that's that's naughty. Yeah. And delicious. Okay, so number one, get the match. If your company's offering a match in your 401k, get it. Number two, look at your fees. That shouldn't take long. It's not hard to do. Just look at the fees. Number three, have a reasonable allocation. And you can go to abrahamswallet.com and see like a, a rundown of these would be good good ideas of kind of where to shoot for your allocation inside your 401k. And lastly, coordinate your 401k with your other investments. And, and for some people, they'll go like, yeah, okay, I think I can tackle that. For a lot of people, they'll go, uh, that is past my pay grade. I need some outside help to do that. Well, great. Get outside help. That's a, that's a good idea. That's it. If you follow those four rules, you will do well as long as you're plugging away at the company and adding to that 401k. Next week, you are going to get the answer to, well, what happens if I leave a job? What do I do with this 401k? 
And yeah, you might think it's just an automatic answer, but there's a lot of options. We're going to cover the pluses and minuses of each of them in the next installment of the Abraham's Wallet podcast. See you then. See you then.